Hello and welcome. Thanks you all for coming online and joining us today for this very special live webinar, A New Era of Fatherhood. Is it the best time in history to be a dad? That's what we're going to be talking about today. So we say that there's never better, been a better time in history to be a dad. We all know how much society has changed when it comes to parenting in the last 50 years. Expectations of fathers have grown and men want to embrace the role of dad like never before. But fathers often feel the pressure to conform to unhelpful stereotypes like the fun dad or the breadwinner dad. So potentially there is an opportunity for fatherhood to have a bit of a makeover at the same time. So what does it mean to be a father today? What's needed and what don't we need anymore? What's the things that we can perhaps discard? So it's great to spend 60 minutes talking about this. Um, a really important topic. We've had an overwhelming response. So thank you to all those who are joining us live online today. I know that many will be listening on record. So this will be um, sent out as a recording as well if you um, are listening live as well. Um, we've got plenty of you joining us online. I can see everyone coming on board. My name is Sam Eddy. I'm from Parents at Work, an executive coach, facilitator, and also a podcast host of the Balance and Wellbeing podcast that we do once a week. I do a lot of work in the wellbeing space. I um, have, have a previous history in financial services in marketing, um, retrained in the area of psychology, and now do a lot of coaching with working dads, busy dads, trying to get the career, wellbeing, family, work-life balance happening. Um, so that's a bit about me, but I'm really pleased to be joined today by my co-hosts. So we have Paul, Michelle, and um, also Luke Benediscus. How are you both? Yeah, really good. Very good. Thank you, Sam. It's really exciting to have you on board. And look, before we kick off, I might just get you both um, just to introduce yourselves. So, uh, Paul, can I just start with you to give a bit of a background? Sure, sure. Well, uh, well first and foremost, uh, I'm a husband to Dana Eisenstein, who's also a coach with uh, Parents at Work. And I'm also a father to three kids, uh, Kobe, 20, uh, Liam, who's 13, and Sasha, who is seven and uh, I'm also a facilitator. So I run uh, leadership programs and professional skills programs as well as NLP training and hypnosis training. I'm also an executive coach and I'm also a hypnotherapist in private practice. So that's uh, a little bit about me. So plenty of experience as a dad, <laughs> which we'll yep, no doubt great. unpack a little bit more as we, as we talk through. Um, Luke, you're, 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 I think, a co-founder of The Fatherhood, so I'd love to know more about your background and also a bit about that too. Yeah, sure. So basically, I'm a, I'm a, a lifelong journo. So before um, I, I co-founded uh, The Fatherhood, I was editor of Men's Health magazine. And then essentially what happened is I, I suddenly had two, two children in quite quick succession. I've got two little boys, um, one's two and a half and one's 16 months old and um, so suddenly I was kind of I was suddenly uh, plunged into the situation where I was flailing around trying to sort of deal with this huge change that had, had altered almost every department of my life it changed the foundation of my relationship it changed my attitude towards work it you know changed my, my social life and, and I was looking around and I was thinking wow there's so much media out there that's designed to cater to, to mums where is the media out there for dads but at the same time, what I was finding really helpful is I'd, I'd catch up with two old mates of mine, um, a guy called uh, Andrew McCutcheon, who's a, an old journo mate who used to be at GQ, um, and another mate called Jeremy McVean, who's a marketing guy. He's worked at Movember for many years. And we'd just catch up and we'd have these like conversations that would 
inevitably like touch on our family life you know some days i'd turn up and go geez guys i've got i've got to, got to go go away for another work trip you know my wife's going to kill me you know what am i going to do another time you know, andrew would turn up and go look how do you, how on earth do you know do you get your toddler to sleep at, at night and so we'd be having these discussions and we just found them really helpful and reassuring so essentially what we decided to do was just to try and scale them into a website which is the fatherhood www.the-father-hood.com and look where um i guess a really a resource for dads that uh aims to offer support advice and inspiration for for dads and kind of help them help them survive and thrive in what can be uh you know quite a tricky job at times Fantastic. I mean, it sounds like so much, such much needed work. And I think I was at a seminar the other day um, for a corporate client and we're talking about all the help and support that's available and rightly so to women working mums. But often, as you say, there isn't much or there, it's not much talked about in terms of what it means to be a dad. How do you get that work-life balance? How do you perhaps do more of the caring, be involved in your kids, but still keep your career on track? So it's, it's such a great initiative. So it's um, it's really exciting to be here. And Luke, you're also a dad too. Yeah, I've got two. I've got two little boys. I've got um, Joe is uh, he's two and a half, and Mark is sixteen months old. Nice. So it's all happening for you, no doubt. It's all happening. So, yeah. So I, I guess it's an important point to make that uh, I realise I'm talking about fatherhood here, and many of the people listening to this will have forgotten more about being a parent than I currently know. I'm still very much on my uh, L plates as a dad, but um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm just in the trenches at the moment, and that's why at the moment I'm sort of running around interviewing all sorts of experts and sort of celebrities to get their insights and views on, on fatherhood, and uh, hopefully, you know some of those are helping me out a bit too. Great, fantastic. And look, thanks for that. Thanks for that, guys. That was great. It's good just to understand a bit more about what you do, but also personal backgrounds because it's what we what we experience in our personal lives as well as dads or if we're just helping dads in our professional career. It's, it's so important and that's what tends to often resonate the most. Um, for those of you who are online today, we'd love to hear what you think. So I've talked about that, you know, it's the best time in history to be a dad, but what do you think? I mean, maybe that's not the reality for you or maybe it is for you, but what do you think? Um, if you've got any questions for us or comments, perhaps you've seen this uh, this live webinar advertised and you had some questions that you've come in thinking, perhaps you've just got some comments or thoughts, we'd love to hear what you think. So at any time, please use the question box that should be available to you and just type any questions and we'll read them out as we go through the podcast. Um, don't wait to the end because I suspect time will go pretty quick. Um, it, but if something does come up, feel, feel free to jump in there. As I say, put comments and questions. If you've got something specific for either of us, please let us know as well and we look forward to that. Um, I just wanted to also, given we've talked about the fatherhood, I thought it'd be just be good to talk a little bit about parents at work for those who don't know. So we're a global coaching and education provider of working parent programs, including preparing for parental leave and returning to work transition programs. We work in collaboration with a variety of different companies to support their working parents and carers with their career, family and well-being. So focusing on those um, three key areas, which we know is really important. Since 2007, um, the company was founded by Emma Walsh, she's based in Sydney in 2007, and we've helped over 100,000 families, so they've benefited from the support we provide. We've been recognised by the Australian Human Rights Commission for work in supporting parents, 
um, and we were nominated as one of the top 200 businesses for the future back in 2017. So we're really proud of the work we do. We're really proud of the advocacy work we do in trying to make workplaces more family friendly, but also support people to really thrive with their career whilst they are busy working parents. Um, Luke, is there anything else you wanted to add on the fatherhood? Well, I mean, yeah, I suppose essentially where we, we are a, um, a voice for dads by dads across online social media and also now a, a, a new book that's just come out. So um, we've been described as a sat nav dads uh, to help them navigate modern fatherhood. And yeah, look, I suppose really what we try and do is offer, as I said, support, advice and inspiration to encourage men to take the opportunity that, that fatherhood offers with both hands because we feel that the game has really changed for dads out there tonight, out there, out there today, and um, dads, I think modern breed of fathers, we've got an opportunity that perhaps the previous generation of fathers didn't have. Um, and there's a, look, there's a bunch of statistics that kind of show just how much fatherhood um, has changed in, in, in over the, the last sort of generation. Um, there was a great study from uh, um, a British university showed that showed that um, in 1982. 43% of British fathers had never changed a nappy. But by 2000, that number had shrunk to just 3%. And if you think about it, that's, that's almost 20 years ago now. So it just shows how profoundly things have changed uh, in one generation. Um, you know, I mean, I'm in my early 40s, and I think for a lot of guys my, my age, you know, our dads might not have been in the delivery room, um, you know, they, they they loved us just as much as we love our kids, but they just they just weren't quite as involved on that on that day to day basis. Um, but now, you know, things are, are changing and, uh, you know, dads today, um, they they are more involved and, and that's a real opportunity. But it's also it's also a challenge because we've got to work out a way to to navigate, um, navigate that and, you know, sort of balance that with the with our, with our work and and so on and so forth. Mm, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, as you were talking there, Luke, I just it reminded me of what I often talk about from a coaching perspective is that that guilt factor that often dads might experience. So the rock and the hard place scenario where perhaps you've got new kids, a new baby's just come along um, and you're feeling guilty that you're not spending enough time at home, perhaps with your partner and kids, or that you're leaving work early to then spend, um, to, and then you, you feel like you're ditching your colleagues or you're not pulling your weight at work. And so that rock and a hard place scenario, and it's interesting about the generational change because I interviewed a lot of, say, baby boomer dads, and that question of guilt was uh, talked about, but um, they just said, well, we didn't even think about it because it wasn't even an issue. I, uh, my job was to go to work, and as you say, perhaps never touch a nappy. And so there was a, from a mindset perspective, it was just a different paradigm. I mean, I mean what do you think about that, Paul? Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't ever remember my dad ever changing a nappy, um, not even with his grandkids. So, um, so I think that there's a very different paradigm there. Uh, I, I guess I've got a little bit of a, a contrast between now and say 20 years ago when when I had Kobe. Uh, within the first 18 months, unfortunately, my relationship, uh, you know, it, it, that was the end of it. Basically, after the first 18 months of having a child and. Uh, I found myself being a, a single dad having to pretty much do the role of mum and dad. And, uh, and that was quite interesting uh, from the perspective of uh, taking them to change rooms and things like that. There were no, there were no change rooms that, it, that sort of seemed to really welcome men in there. It was a very weird feeling having to try and change my son's nappy. 
uh, without feeling a little bit creepy about it. So um, uh, that was that was 20 years ago, and um, and and nowadays it's 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 very different. It's it's considered to be acceptable for a father to to be with their children and particularly the young kids and to be so hands on. So. Uh, even from the perspective of work, work's more flexible now and we've got flexible work arrangements and uh, we've got technology that allows us to integrate our working life with our lifestyle. And uh, and I, I sort of look at it from the perspective of it's a work-life integration rather than a work-life balance because that balance is going to look very different depending on what, what stage and age your kids are. So uh, I would say that 20 years ago, uh, I might have still been on the very periphery uh, of um, of being a... I guess what we consider to be a, a, a norm now um, mm -hmm. is very, very different. Uh, so, so even with my kids, uh, Liam, 13, Sasha, seven, uh, very, very different. You see fathers walking around with their kids and doing things and being hands-on. Uh, nobody bats an eye, but, but yeah, about 20 years ago, it was still, still not quite like what we have now. Yeah, it's great to have this contrast, isn't it, in terms of your experiences as a dad then and um, perhaps generations before and then obviously yours yours as well, Luke, um, given that you're sort of in the thick of it with young with young kids. So I think you're right, these um, these contrasts are really important. We've had a just a comment um, from Chris. He said that I think there's some still some social stigma around fathers and their role, but overall definitely the best time to be a dad, so that's awesome. Um, and so what I thought I might do now is just quickly talk through some of the realities. What, you know, what is the modern reality for working dads but working parents? And, and for those listening, as I talk through this, just have a think about what's relevant for you. Throw in a comment if you're agreeing with this, if this is resonating, or perhaps if you've got a different experience. Again, love to hear from you. Um, so obviously it's the juggle. We often talk about that parent juggle, kids work. So they're juggling the pressure of being a financial provider and a primary carer, for example working an average between 30 to 6 hours a week plus your parenting responsibilities on top. We talk about the benefits of digital innovations and technology and look it's great we're all connecting here today and how amazing is that that we can use technology to our advantage and spend this time just talking about this important topic but then what does the accessibility mean? Are we constantly switched on? Are we constantly checking emails? Are we, you know, addicted to our mobile phones? So, you know, there's pros and cons of it that can that can um, add to the juggle and the struggle sometimes. Many of us have a lot of family support. Some of us may have none nearby. So, you know, how does that impact the the reality for a modern working dad, parent? You know, do you have support of childcare? Is finances an issue? Is family around? What's happening for you? Um, what are the challenges for you? Having commitments to younger and older family relatives, we're having kids later and later, so often parents are older as well, so we can have dual caring responsibilities. And it's good to know that from a, a note that from a parents at work perspective, we often focus around offering support for carers as well. So not just caring for children, it might be caring for sick relatives, older relatives, etc. So it's it's good to think about that as well. Of course, there's no getting around household chores. Just getting the basics done at home, it just takes time and then um, it, it takes away time from perhaps doing other things that we would love. There's costs of childcare, school fees, all this can impact sleep, you know, if work's full on, um, we're worried about kids, we're worried about this and that, you know, is our sleep being affected, which is obviously foundational for our well-being. And then, you know, given this whole scenario, do we have quality time for ourselves, but also with our partners? For our kids, I mean, how does that that stuff seem to resonate with you, firstly, Paul? 
Uh, yeah, I can I can completely relate. I think uh, now that my kids are a little bit older, I'm starting to carve out a bit more me time, and uh, and just uh, just recently I've gone back to martial arts training after a nine year layoff. So uh, uh, it's nice to be able to uh, to just do something that's uh, focused on me and my my physical well being. But uh, awesome, I've had yeah. to find ways I've had to find ways to to carve out that me time, and sometimes it's a little bit of a decompression between going from work to home and uh and just uh creating a, a third space i really like dr adam fraser's book the third space and I, I like the idea of uh just having a little bit of a buffer zone just before heading home so that when you walk through the door you can be present for your uh for your family and uh, and some people just don't realize that they have a tendency to drag work into home and home into work so so just carving out that third space that decompression is uh is really important and i think um it just it just reduces some of the the stress load as well. So um, I also think that it's really cool if you can actually laminate some of the activities that you're engaged with and that you like with the sorts of activities that your kids like as well. So this way, there's something in it for you, and there's something in it for the kids as well. So I like looking for little opportunities where we can do something together, uh, and and it doesn't feel like a chore. It doesn't feel like uh, you're looking after the kids, so to speak. Uh, my, my best mate says to me, you know that it's not babysitting when they're your children. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so, uh, so there's, there's definitely, definitely a, I, I think the me time is the hardest part in the early stages when you're toddler taming and, uh, and, and, and little kids just don't have that, that sense of, all right, it's uh, mummy and daddy time or it's uh, daddy time. They, what they, they want what they want when they want it. And, and that can be a bit challenging. So you've got to try and look for those opportunities to decompress in a useful way. Look, it's, it's interesting you say that because I'm actually a non-parent, a non-dad, um, and the work I do, or the benefit that at least the working parents I coach find with me is that I kind of help them at least act as a bit of a well-being anchor. So often the conversation, because I can't talk about specific parenting issues, um, it's very much has to be focused around them and having that, you know, helping them focus on their well-being because often the solutions to parenting or career and whatever else can start to come when our, our we're really centered, we're really mindful, we're really conscious, and we often know what we need to be doing or what we need to be changing in our lives. But having those well-being anchors is so important, and I think that really helps with the juggle. So there's really lovely insights there, Paul. Luke, you know, is well-being something that you use yourself to really, you know, help with the juggle? I mean, what, how does this resonate with you? Um, I think something something that's really an example of someone um, that really has helped me because I, I totally emphasize with what um, we were talking about earlier about, you know, you, sometimes we're in those situations at work and you get to the, towards the end of the day and it's like, wow, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to disappoint someone here. I'm either going to disappoint my boss by not getting that work in or time, or I'm going to like upset my wife because I'm not going to be back, you know, when, when I said I would be. So it is, it is really difficult balancing these two competing interests, but so, someone I was really fascinated by was um, is Barack Obama, and when he was uh, when he was president in the White House, he had a rule which was every night at six thirty he would return to the White House and sit down with his wife and two daughters for a family dinner. Um, he conceded to miss this family dinner just twice a week, um, and so you know if he was flying over overseas or, or doing something like that and basically five nights a week he insisted on sitting down for this family dinner with his wife and kids and 
that really resonated with me because I suppose, you know, I like to think I'm, you know, so fairly busy and rushing around and stuff. But look, the truth is, you know, I'm not having to uh, track down Osama bin Laden or, you know, deal with a, a tricky nuclear situation in Iran, you know. If, yeah. if, 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 if Barack <laughs> Obama could, can do that, then, uh, you know, and, and, and I was speaking to someone about this. I was speaking to someone, this, um, a woman called Dr. Sarah Cotton, who's an organizational psychologist and works for a, an organization called Transitioning Well, which is um, aims to help people uh deal with their balance um between work work and, and and family a bit better and she said one of the key things you've got to do um as a parent as a working parent is you've got to set your non-negotiables you know what what are the things that are really important for you and they're going to be different for every single parent you know for some people it might be okay i want to get back for for bath time every night or for some people it might be look i want to be able to read my my daughter a bed a bedtime story you know three nights a week or you know i always want to take my, my son to football training it doesn't really matter what what your non-negotiables are, but you know, but having a good, clear think about them and setting um, your intentions, I found really helpful because it just means you can go about your life a bit more intentionally. You know, so so what something I do, for example, is I don't I don't check my email um, after seven o'clock. From seven o'clock till uh, seven the next day, I don't do it. So I guess that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, when it comes to work. It's, it, it never stops, you know, the flow of emails, the, the deadlines, the demands. And so really it's up to us to put our own, our own uh, boundaries on it if we want to sort of stay sane and, uh, you know, keep our head above the water. I love that concept of non-negotiables because you're right, the, the mind is very good at getting in the way and just saying to us, look, you know, you, know, you don't have time or there's always a reason why not to start. But as you say, work's always going to be busy. There isn't, you know, we're not, are we waiting for some time in the future to happen when, when things are going to get a bit quieter? And um, that's the often procrastination comes in. But it, look, this is such an interesting discussion and I suspect it's resonating with people. We had some great um, questions. Uh, um, Chris has just said, most of this is true in terms of the reality that I described before for a modern parent. Um, it's got plenty of support, no no over other commitments with relatives, which is, can be quite nice. Um, but he was talking about the reality for single parents and what happens for that. They're, they're becoming more common and dads are having the full time caring for, for at least part of the week instead of the full shared week with a partner. I mean, do you guys have any thoughts on that, what it means for single parents in this modern world in terms of the work perhaps you've done, people you've spoken to? Plenty. <laughs> having having lived the reality, it's uh, it's a very different paradigm. Uh, I guess you go from being uh, as part of a partnership to then becoming a both mum and dad, and uh, and and this is this is part of the the challenge when you you're making that transition because you're starting to to pick the load up for 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 both sides. But the other thing as well is that uh, I know that when when I went through my separation, I had to had to shift my thinking and my beliefs about what it was to be a patched in dad. And I knew I wasn't going to have the quantity of time with my eldest, uh, with Kobe. I had to focus on what the quality of that time is. And I, I think that's still a key principle even now that I've repartnered and I've got uh, two more children. So I've got a blended family. And I think that's, that's the other reality as well is that we also have a lot of blended families and, um, and it's it's much more important for me to have quality time, uh, knowing that we have a certain amount of time every day. And it's really about activity management, not time management, but activity management. But if I'm engaged in those activities with my kids, 
what's the quality of that activity and so uh, we definitely spend dinner together and we have an opportunity to debrief and to hear about the day and uh, I guess I'm very fortunate in the sense that with the flexible working uh, practices that, that I've got access to I can go and pick my kids up from school I can drop them off uh, and those little those little informal moments are also quality time where where kids are talking so so from that perspective I think for single parents, uh, you're, you're doing a lot of hard yards, but also uh, be mindful of those moments where you've got quality experience and quality time. And, and I think put emphasis on quality rather than quantity. And, and then there's you know, less likely to feel guilt or uh, resentment. You're, you're still getting that quality time. So I would say that with my eldest, I actually had better quality time with him than he had with his mum, where she had the quantity of time because he really wanted to be there, and we really wanted to have him, and uh, and so that was uh, that was really important. Uh, so the quality of time really matters. And how do you how do you prioritise that? Is there a, is there a choice point that happens often? This stuff is we kind of know we need to do it. Is there a choice point that comes up and you're like, right, I have to do this, or it's going to come back and bite me in the butt if I don't. It'll bite you in the butt when it comes back if your children don't have a relationship with you. <laughs> that's 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 really the. Um, I guess the ultimate feedback, isn't it? Um, if you haven't spent the time, if you haven't invested in the relationship, then when they get older and they have the freedom, uh, I mean, my eldest is 20, he's got a car, he can come and go as he pleases. Uh, he doesn't have to do anything now. So he chooses to, and I think that's really the, the feedback is that, that that investment in him and in the relationship was really important. Uh, so everything comes at a cost. I think it just it's just a matter of what are you prioritizing and, uh, and, and, and you just, if you don't prioritize your children, then they'll never become a priority because there'll always be things that, that, that seek to grab your attention and will seem to be important and urgent. Uh, what's the long-term plan? What's the long-term game here? And what's the relationship you want to have with your children beyond this phase in their life, which, you know, if they're young and they're toddlers or they're, they're, they're preschoolers or they're, they're at school and primary school, uh, what's going to happen when they start to have more autonomy uh, I was always worried about that, and so I made sure that I invested very early on, so that he felt like he had a, a really good, healthy relationship, not only with me but with his siblings and also with uh, with my wife as well. So uh, that's that's the long term game. That's the most important, and dare I say, it's also immediately urgent because whatever you don't put in now, you're not going to receive later. Mm, thanks for sharing that, Paul. You know, that's that's really great stuff. And as you were talking, we've had a a comment from a, from another single dad, Robert, and he's talked about um, he you know really agrees with the discussion we're having. Um, he talks about he's got forty percent care with a five year old boy, no family support, constantly caught between dad work and life admin. Um, is talking about having a, he talked about having a a real life changing moment recently, and that's about prioritizing small bits of time for him. So the gym, run, reading, um, so mindfulness essential to this for him. So someone else, Brian, has asked, what are some of techniques to self learn to completely switch off from work home life? So mindfulness is one. So thanks, Robert. You've kind of answered, I guess, in part. We've talked about a lot of these well being anchors. I tend to refer to gym. Um, you know, martial arts, perhaps you could call it one. Um, the priority, just the family time, as Luke was talking about, you know, having that non-negotiable family time as Barack uses, even in his extremely busy world. Um, so I just thought I'd just read this, um, I think it's a quote, I'm not sure, or it's an anecdote um, from the fatherhood. 
And so I'll just read that out and maybe Luke get you just to expand on it um, in terms of maybe the wellbeing anchors that we're starting to talk about because you know there is a huge amount of obligations as a dad. You know, you're a short order cook, nappy changer, writer and singer of songs, giver of back pats and shoulder massages, mixologist of baby bottles and after work cocktails, teller of stories, tall and true, giver of ridiculous names, lover, fighter for your family, you are no parent's assistant, you are dad, hands on, always on hero. I mean. I think that's a really lovely snapshot or summary of what you know perhaps the realities. I mean, you know, what's what do you think about all this stuff, you know, the techniques that these wellbeing anchors or non-negotiables? Anything else to add from your experience? Yeah, I mean in terms of uh, if the question was about how to how to switch off from work, um one thing that I found really useful is I think because because I've definitely had that you know I had it was just the other night actually I was you know I'd come back from work and I was sitting with my my son and I'm trying to read him you know, um, Mog the Forgetful Cat or something. And my wife said, like, what are you doing? And, and what I was doing is I was just suddenly staring into space because I was, like, worrying about an issue at work. And it's kind of, you know, if you're at work for eight hours a day, when you, you know, those few precious hours you are with your kids, you really want to be, you want to be present, don't you? You want to be there. So something that I found really useful is to try and develop what, um, is called a transition ritual, which is basically to flick your mindset from work mode to um, to dad mode. And so, I mean, this can be whatever works for you. You know, I mean, it could be maybe you know if you've got a commute, maybe it could be like you know you listen to a, a podcast in the in the way in the way home to sort of un unwind. Maybe it could just be you know stop you know getting off the train a stop early and you know just walking walking that last sort of ten minutes home to to sort of you know reset your mind um you know for me i just find it really useful just to, before I, I i pull into the driveway just to write down a to-do list for for the next day but it doesn't really matter what it is it's going to be completely up to the individual what they choose but i guess the idea of a transition ritual is just to to uh flick your mi mindset and and change it from uh sort of dad mode to dad mode to uh sorry from work mode to dad mode it sounds like I'm often, I, I often talk about this, and I love what you're saying there, Luke, that often we're getting up in the morning, we fall out of bed, go to the bathroom so we can quickly get ready, so we can throw down a cup of coffee, so we can run to the train, so we can get to that first meeting, but we need to finish the meeting, so we can go do the emails, but we need to get through them, so we can go to lunch or another meeting. We push through that so we can then run to get the train, pick up the kids, go home, um, so we can get dinner on, so we can then finally flunk out in front of the TV, but the but you're right, there's so many transition moments that can be, I guess, well-being anchors, and it sounds very mindful, so bringing yourself almost into the present moment, because we do have these transitions every day, and and, and, and if we're not sort of, as you say, centering ourselves or maybe um, bringing ourselves into the moment, it affects our energy, perhaps when we go in and interact with our kids, our partner. So I think that's um, that's some really great really great useful tips in there. Paul, what do you I mean what do you think about transitions? Is that something that you have noticed as well? Yeah, well I often talk about micro transitions. Uh, so it's even as you walk from the car to the house, uh, are you taking a couple of nice deep breaths along the way and uh, and just appreciating the scenery as you walk to the house rather than going, oh I've got to go and prepare to deal with whatever it is that I deal with and once I cross the threshold. So, um, you know, you can take those little mindful moments uh, throughout the day. And uh, and so those I often reference to my clients around the micro transition 
so that's it's great that we we're all sort of talking about the same thing because we've come up with these ideas, but uh, but they seem to be uh, holding us in good stead. Um, so so I just think that it's really about who and how are you being when you're in the various environments that uh, that you're in. Uh, whenever we make an I am statement, we're actually referencing our identity. So so I like Luke's. You know, going into dad mode, for instance, that's who you're being in that moment. And when you walk into the office, well, that's if you walk into the office. If you work from home, it's maybe a little bit more challenging. But who are you being when you're there? So um, my my thinking is, and it's it's a it's a bit of a leadership piece as well, because uh, I look at I look at fathers and mothers as being the leaders in their family, and they lead the state of their children as well. It might seem the other way around, but uh, anxious parents create often anxious children. Uh, if you've got parents that that seem to be in control, calm, uh, emotionally balanced, then you often see that feeding into the climate of the home as well. So, uh, if you're walking through and you're a bit frazzled, well, you're probably going to get a lot of that that stuff coming back at you in the in the house as well. So, um, I'm really mindful of what's the emotional state that I'm seeking to demonstrate when I'm when I'm with my kids. Um, and uh, and even if I'm walking into chaos, if I'm calm, uh, if I'm just paying attention to what's going on, then often they start to settle as well. But if I just add to, it, then it's it just escalates from there. So um, so yeah, dad mode. I think that's a that's a great way of putting it, Luke. I really like it. Fantastic. Um, I think, look, I was just going to add in terms of the transitions, I think often also having, say, dedicated time, whether you're doing a mindful meditation or it is gym time, if it's mindful for you, where you're, you're really disconnecting, you're slowing your thinking down, whatever the activity is, the, the more we do that day in, day out or weekly, we're having that dedicated time in addition to the transitions where it has a really lovely calming effect on the mind, the nervous system really helps with those energy shifts you're talking about, Paul. So I would just add to that, having those there's no getting around it sometimes we need to put time at least in my experience to this we, we want the hints and tips sometimes and we just want to focus on them but there is no getting around at time and the more we dedicate time to it, it has a lovely cumulative effect over time and at least my clients report back that they start to have these really lovely shifts in energy and it can be really transformative from a life perspective I just wanted to talk about the generations. I know we sort of talked a generational change. I know we've sort of talked about it, but I've sort of flicked over to this lovely slide that really encapsulates perhaps where we are at. It's a, a study from the US, but I think in the um, the 1970s or not, in 1976, people defined themselves as the stay-at-home dads, and now there's kind of two million. And I guess that brings with it a whole different dynamic around. And there's there's so many things that need to be done. Um, that we had a comment earlier on from. Um, Michael, and it was a question for you, Luke, and, and and it was about the fathering project. He just wondered if you'd heard of them because he's indicated they've done a, uh, some surveys around generational shift and role of fathers. Is, is that something you're familiar with, or I mean, what do you think about what this more generally? Yeah, look, absolutely. I'm, I am familiar with the the, the fathering project, and uh, so we we um, the father we just put a book out actually um, called the Father: The Inspiration for the New Dad Generation, and we interviewed all sorts of people. Um, but one of the people we interviewed for that was, in fact, the founder of the Fathering Project, a guy called just, Professor. Right, I can hear you now. Sorry, oh, keep, oh, keep sorry, <laughs> sorry. He, he, a guy called Professor uh, Bruce Robinson, and his inspiration for setting up the the Fathering Project was that he was he's a he's one of the Australia's leading uh, cancer specialists. He's a lung cancer specialist, and 
he's had to break the terrible news to many um, men over the years that their that their cancer is in fact terminal and that you know they don't have long to live and he said that what happened when he would impart this you know uh, horrific news is that probably the most common regret that they would um, they would voice was that ah oh, I wish I hadn't spent so much time at work I wish I'd spent more time um, with my children and that was just the motivation for him to set up the the fathering project which is this wonderful initiative which is really uh, well my understanding is, is that it is designed um, to deliver sort of practical road tested uh, tips for dads in order to help them to be um, be better parents and, and when I interviewed Professor Bruce Robinson I said okay so you've got all these tips can you can you share one with me and uh, the one he he mentioned was was yeah look it's a great one for all the dads out there um, make dad dates with your kids you know if you know make once once a, a, a fortnight or whatever take just one of your kids out for some one-on-one -on -one time take them take them for breakfast or take them for a walk or just um, if you've got two kids then do you do that with you know set another time with with uh, the other kid as well and I guess it's a really really simple idea but it's just a, a beautiful way to um, you know carve out that that one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one time with your children so yeah look um, I think the the fathering project they're doing great things and um, yeah um, I subscribe there. They've got a great weekly newsletter, and you know they're they're real sort of pioneers in this space. Yeah, fantastic! It sounds like really, really, really great and insightful work. And I mean, what a what a great story about those insights from dealing with um, people at the forefront of real trauma and and tragedy. So I think that's that's such useful information. So thank you for sharing that. We've had um another question, and this some this comes up often in terms of my experience particularly working with people with new babies particularly that um, how do you prioritize time for your partner so when kids come along often they go to the forefront and then um, relationships can take a bit of a hint so the dad or mum can sort of go to the bottom of the pile at least from the other person's perspective not of course deliberately obviously there's a lot of challenges but uh, obviously that can then you know lead to, to tension over over time um, there's you know divorce rates are higher so how what is the importance of prioritizing your partner relationship particularly around kids you know is it often often it's not seen perhaps potentially as a or it's a bit of stigma around you know, you have to put the kids first but I always say you've got to put yourself first maybe even your partner second and then your kids because if you're looking after yourself you're happy with your in your relationship the kids will benefit anyway Paul what, what do you think about that the the whole idea of the partners perhaps getting dropped to the bottom of the pile when kids come along uh, yeah it's a bit of a tough place to be if it happens um, Look, I think that uh, it makes perfect sense, especially I think we, we're sort of we're talking about that early stage with uh, with with a young infant. And uh, and if that's the case, then then obviously you've got things like demand feeding and you've got disrupted nights and, uh, you know, both partners are, are seeking to be attentive to a to a child that's you know, for all intents and purposes, quite helpless and dependent upon the parents. Uh, and in that process, the the intimacy between uh, the partners can diminish quite substantially, especially with, uh, with the, the onset of sleep deprivation. And, uh, and so that can, be, that can be quite a challenging phase to try and grit your teeth and get through. Um, so, so I think it's, it's really about trying to make sure that you're, I'll come back to, I'm always gonna come back to, it's the quality of time that you're spending with each other 
not so much the quantity of time because I think that uh, when you're particularly new parents, uh, you're exceptionally time poor. So I'm always going to focus on, well, what's the quality of time and how are you actually, how are you actually demonstrating that care and that compassion towards each other and, uh, and how do you make sure that you're attentive to each other's needs and where possible carving out that time where it's just you and them. I think, I think the challenge for, for modern parents is that we can't rely on grandparents as much as we used to, to try and create a bit of that buffer zone and a bit of that space, uh, because, uh, you know, we've got the rise of the grey nomad, so to speak, and we've got grandparents who are uh, off living their best lives. And uh, as I like to put it, they're skiing, spending the kids' inheritance and travelling around the country and travelling overseas. So they may not be as present as, uh, as maybe generations in the past, but, but I still think it's really important that you think about time for self and what might you need to do to be able to look after yourself so that you're in a resilient and resourceful space and also time with your partner. How do you start to carve out that time? And it doesn't have to be grandiose. It doesn't have to be a major uh, event. Sometimes it's just sitting around the house, just watching a bit of Netflix, but connecting with each other nonetheless. And I think that, um, that what often happens is the intimacy drops off and then the quality of the interactions start to diminish after that. So, so I would invite particularly parents who have young kids uh, to think about how they maintain that intimacy and, and to recognize that perhaps they'll have short little snippets of it, but you know, what are the little things they can do that, that show that they're thinking of each other and that they're caring about each other and that they're, um, they're seeking to assist each other because it is a, it's a working relationship. And it, I think this is the interesting thing about new parents is that nothing has really prepared you if it's a first child for what you're experiencing. Nobody's really trained you. You don't go to a school for it. Mothercraft skills are learned and so are fathercraft skills. We do not talk about fathercraft skills, but fathercraft skills are also learned and you learn on the job. So, um, you know, everyone's learning and it's a steep learning curve. Uh, and uh, and so, so think about how you build those moments in time for intimacy so that that doesn't just fall off the radar as well. Gosh, lots of lots of great advice there, Paul. Uh, you know, I think I could you know sort of expand on a, a lot of that. That's just um, really good. I, I it made me think of the transition moments can be those well-being anchors that can sort of help you reset in the moment. Maybe looking at your partner, saying you love them just before you get into some of the other practicals, particularly if you've got new kids. But as you say, you know, just reminding if, you, if time is poor and it will be, then you know, I guess a little bit of survival mode, particularly when kids are young. But having communication around that, you know, role, you know, sort of leaning into the uncertainty but also at those little moments the transition moments whatever it may be just sort of remembering to acknowledge each other and, and be present um, you know can be so important if you've got any other questions for those listening you know is this resonating with you is these the realities that we're talking about the tips do you have other tips and tools that you use to really help prioritize your partner um, to prioritize time dad time with your kids potentially we'd love to hear from you love to hear your um, comments and thoughts we've already had a number so far so thank you for those who've contributed Luke what do you think about the, the how do you prioritize your partner Oh, listen, I mean, this is like, I find this a real challenge at the moment, you know, I mean, I've had, you know, I had two kids sort of 16 months apart and um, yeah, you know, I, it, right at the moment, it's a real struggle, you know, and I, I, I really miss spending that time with my wife, you know, um, so we, we do our best, but I mean, uh, you know, we have, we're not in a position where we can, you know, slip out for, for a date night or anything like that just yet, but we just try and even if it's just a little thing like you know sort of sitting on the sitting on the sofa together with a glass of wine you know doing a doing a, cr a crossword or something like that we just try and make a 
a little bit of time. But yeah, look, I I wish I had some better advice about how to how to, to to tackle that one. But like, it's definitely a challenge that I'm facing at the moment. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just <laughs> I, I I suppose one thing one thing I think I, I do find useful though is that I think at a time when your children are small, like, don't be afraid to to call in reinforcements. You know, um, you know we're lucky. Um, I've, we've my my wife has got a uh, sister who lives quite nearby, and so you know sometimes we'll take it in turns. You know, sometimes we'll we'll take their their kids for a morning so that you know uh, that Georgie and, and and her her husband can can go and have a coffee or something. And sometimes um, they'll they'll reciprocate. So I think that's the thing. Look, it's it's a really it's a really challenging time in in, in life. You know, when you have got uh, small kids, so you know don't be afraid to accept favors, and uh, you know. They say it takes a village to to raise a child, so you know, reach out to your fellow villagers. Love it, yeah, absolutely. And look, if you're listening, and you've got any other tips, um, feel feel free to add those in too, because I'm sure we could all all benefit from them. I just thought I'd change it up now and talk a little bit about vulnerability. Luke and Paul, we both had a bit of a chat before coming online about this and what it means in the modern world for men in generally. Um, and we have got a bit of a, a quote here um, about um, sort of Bob Hawke um, when he um, um, he was in tears in the paper. Um, I think, and then there was a, a, a sort of a reaction, you know, is he falling apart because he was showing emotion? But I suspect now there's a big change. Um, as fathers, there's a lot more permission to see ourselves as emotional people, to be have emotional relationships with our children. Um, do you think that's a good thing? Do you think it has really changed, Paul? I mean, what's your thought of that? And, and what are the benefits if, if we do think it's a good thing? Uh, well, I personally think it's a good thing. Uh, I think that we're, we're we're holding a broader conversation, especially within organisations around emotional and social intelligence and the importance of emotional and social intelligence for uh, high-performing teams and so forth. Well, it, in my opinion, that's not just something we do at work. It's uh, emotional social intelligence at home. It's emotional social intelligence with our friends and family. So, so I think when we look at fathers particularly, I think perhaps... Um, you know, we're we're in we're in new territory uh, with uh, with fathers that are much more open and expressive. I don't think the Bob Hawke uh, situation is uh, is something that we should look at as being a um, I guess an outlier. Um, I think it depends on it depends on the, the the culture as well. Some cultures are much more expressive than others, um, and it also depends on the context as well. So the, the conversation that we were having before we started the, the webinar was about one of my coaching clients that came through and he's, the challenge for him is he's, he's of a, a Tongan background. He's Australian born, but to a Tongan family and, and he's seeking to be much more emotionally expressive and authentic. And he's also a coach of a rugby league team uh, in, in a private school environment. And he's quite happy to wear his heart on his sleeve and talk openly and passionately and at times to cry and he's getting some mixed messages from the parents around him some of them are saying you can't do that in front of the boys that's not what a man's about and on the other hand you've got some parents going this is exactly what we need this is exactly what the boys need to see uh you know uh, this this gentleman is a is a very large gentleman in the sense that he's you know, part, part of his background is in security uh, and here he is openly with tears on his face talking about something that he's very engaged and passionate about and i i think that's actually a really um, important role model for those boys that that you can be strong, that you can be vulnerable, and there's strength in vulnerability. 
And I think that what happens is from a very young age, we get taught to be strong, to suck it up, we, you know, be a man. Um, and, and that's not actually, that's actually not the full emotional spectrum. I think that we need to really start to model for our children uh, the, the full range of emotions, particularly for, for boys, um, that it's okay to, to, to cry. It's okay to, to feel hurt and pain and to emote and express in appropriate way in at the right time to the right people and and this is also about sort of thinking about well what sort of adult am i going to have in the future do i want someone who's emotionally repressed or do i want someone who's in touch with their emotions is aware of their internal experience their emotional state what turns them on what turns them off and can articulate that well and also manage themselves well because if we focus purely on the educational side they can be the smartest person in the room they can they can have a degree, but if they can't manage their emotional state, if they can't use emotional reasoning, if they can't uh, liaise and interface and collaborate with others, well, then a lot of that stuff is going to be pretty redundant anyway. So I think uh, fathers particularly that are emotionally in touch with, the, with, with their emotional side and are willing to express that in an appropriate way, I think that that's, uh, that's, a, that's a really good thing. I think that, that that'll hold our future generations of sons and men uh, in good stead, yeah. better partners as well. I was just going to add, Paul, that I think that, um, you know, at a very basic level, what we can't express or what stays internal just festers. It, um, the, if there's no release or outlet for it, it's not saying that being softer or being emotional all the time is better than being strong at certain times, being confident, nothing wrong with that. To my mind, it's very much if there is stuff festering, if there's a negative self-view, if there's stuff that we've dealt with in the past that we've repressed, we're not dealing with, it will come out at some point. But is it going to come out in a positive way? I think it, that's the fact that, um, unfortunately, um, you know, men's suicide rates are high. There's lots of issues for mental health for men and there's still stigma around being able to talk about it. It's not because you need to be... Uh, weak or, or whatever it's just about we need to get this stuff out and it's a lot easier when we are being more transparent and we can be ourselves because it takes a lot less energy Luke what are your thoughts about this topic because I think it's an important one yeah well that that quote the Richard, the Richard Fletcher one that actually came came from um, an interview that I did with him in the book where and he was the, the so sorry Professor Richard Fletcher he's probably like the arguably Australia's number one authority on fatherhood. He's the head of the uh, Fathers and Families Research Program at the University of Newcastle. Um, and for the last 20 years, he's been traveling to different communities around Australia to talk to parents about a father's role in raising healthy children. And he's the person who actually said that he thinks it's the, the best time in history, it's the most exciting time in history to be a dad. And the reason why he thinks that is that previously, the role of a father really sort of boiled down to be uh, to being primarily a, a, the breadwinner and the disciplinarian. But now that's changed. You know? Now we've got permission to um, see ourselves in a more emotional emotional way and, and get and get and get more involved in our, our children's lives. So you know we, we've got permission just to be more emotionally involved uh, in our in our kids' lives, and that's that's an, an amazing opportunity that perhaps previous generations of parents um, didn't have. And for me, um, I mean, another interview I did recently which really kind of summed up that, that change was um, I interviewed a guy called Joe Broom, who is the, the creator of the uh, ABC cartoon Bluey, which for those of you who don't know, it's the, it's, it's the biggest kids uh, cartoon 
in Australia now. It's overtaking Play School and the Wiggles. It's, the, it's, it's, it's uh, taking the world by storm, basically. And when I interviewed Joe, I said, look, mate, most cartoon dads, they tend to be, let's face it, half, half wits or buffoons. You know, you think of Homer Simpson, you know, Daddy Pig. But in, in Bluey, you've created this, this, this dad character, Bandit, who, you know, he's, he's amazingly competent, he's hands-on, he's an engaged dad. And I said, look, tell me, when you were making this character, were you trying to make some sort of veiled political statement with him about changing gender roles? And his reply was really telling. He just said, look, absolutely not. He said, the basis of that character is just purely observational. Bandit is the dad. He's based on what my brothers are like as dads and what my mates are like as dads. He's a straight up depiction of the here and now where, where being a dad just seems like an all in. And I just think that's an incredibly um, heartening message about the state of fatherhood in 2019. Absolutely, yeah. I think that. Well, yeah, it's great. We had um, a comment, and I've just um, done something with my question box. But we had a comment earlier about um, gender roles, or I think um, to your comment, Paul, around you know, is there a difference between mother craft skills and father craft skills? Uh, you know, is the fact that men are doing more of the caring role, jumping in, as you say, hands on, Luke? Is that maybe changing it? And so those typical gender roles as a parent, they're sort of starting to change because you know men are doing you know, getting hands on just as much as women or more so. So um, it was an interesting comment about Bluey and maybe the change in stereotypes and and things like that. I think it's it's such an interesting topic. Um, I just thought obviously we're we're sort of you know we could talk about this stuff for hours and it's a shame we don't have more time. So perhaps we might have to do this is a one-off webinar. Perhaps we might have to do more. But look, I just thought I'd just summarise some of the stuff we're talking about in terms of the reality. From a mental health perspective, we've talked about vulnerability. So we know that one in 10 dads experience perinatal anxiety or depression. Um, one in four fathers experience or extreme discrimination around parental leave, perhaps in the workplace. So I know that comes up in my discussions with clients around, well, how do you keep your career on track and not put it at risk whilst you're taking leave or more and more fathers are doing that. Um, we know that 52% of new fathers will experience some tension with their employer around these questions. Um, only 5% of dads in Australia take parental leave, but I suspect that will start to really take off. Um, so there's a, there's a number of things going on here. The final thing there is that Australia ranks 29th in terms of work-life balance. Paul, you talked about work-life integration before. I was just going to ask you, what do you think? Of, what's the difference between work-life integration, work-life balance? Well, I don't, I don't know what balance looks like. Uh, I don't think anybody knows what balance looks like. Um, I think it depends also on what stage and age your children are at and uh, dare I say that uh, when I was in I guess Luke's stage with you know young kids running around the house uh, you know um, it was very different to um, you know having a 20 year old and someone who I can now delegate some of the responsibility to to help us with um, picking kids up from school for instance so it's a very different experience I, I'd like to just let all the new parents know that it does get better. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, and that you will survive. But um, I think that it just depends. It's really how do I integrate the work that I do with the lifestyle that I want to lead and with the type of parent that I want to be. And I think that when we start to look at it as how do we create a uh, a working life that integrates with our home life then it's a it's a much more useful discussion than trying to find this balance because I don't know what the ratios will be and they'll be different for different people. So that's why I'm looking at it from the perspective of what do we need to integrate? Uh, how do we integrate our working hours with 
uh, in a sense, the requirements of um, our children, school pickups, drop-offs, uh, perhaps uh, doctor's appointments, uh, you know, what happens if they're sick? It, it, anything can happen and it's quite an ad hoc interruption at times when it's an interruption. So uh, trying to maintain a balance potentially creates, in my opinion, uh, unnecessary stress for parents who feel like they're not succeeding. Whereas if you look at it from an integration standpoint, then we can start to flex, then we can start to build in resources and support and we can start to look at our working hours and we can start to go, all right, well, perhaps I'll do some hours at the beginning of the day and then I've got this period of time where I need to devote to the kids and then at the end of the day, there might be this and then there's also uh, some of the things that I need to do for decompression and uh, where are my little micro transition points throughout the day? But if we're talking about balance, we, we might be talking about some hard and fast figures that never really add up anyway because they're quite subjective and it depends on the stage of life. Yeah, great. Yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, it's, it's often, I know, at least in my circles, it's talked about more and more balance versus integration. What's the definition? Can you really have it? All that sort of stuff. So it's, it's really good to touch on it, at least in this session, even if only briefly. Um, we've had some a few comments, some tips from Kevin. He said he agrees with a lot of this stuff in terms of anchors, prioritisation. He's uh, found that gym classes strengthen cardio, help improve mood, health and endorphins. Class schedule routines work well, not only for toddler, but for his toddler, but for him as well, or Obama for that matter. So that's some great um, comments there from Kevin. Scott said, yes, leaning on friends, neighbours, networks, to your point, Luke, for support is essential. We're fortunate with three neighbours with young children. We rotated babysitting duties so each couple could get to date night. So that goes to, I guess, to the point around prioritising your partner. Initially, one to two hours, then stretch to a sleepover. So I think that well, that's really lovely. Um, Luke, I've just put this comment up around, I think you talked about it before, from uh, Professor Bruce Robinson in his role as a counsel specialist, just really highlighting perhaps what people then, when they're looking back, when they're encountering trauma around the, the importance of prioritising family and the benefits of it. Anything else to share on that from you? Well, I, I suppose really it comes down to the fact that, look, it is, it is, it is a challenge to find that balance. You know, all the all this research shows that when men become fathers, they, their working hours don't don't decrease. But at the same time, you know, there's been a big study in the US from the Pew Research Center that shows that modern dads today, they actually spend three times as many hours uh, with their kids each week as dads did back in the 60s. So like balancing these two things, yeah, look, it's incredibly challenging, incredibly challenging. But at the same time, I think we can't lose sight of the fact that we're really, really, our generation of dads, we're really lucky to have this opportunity to, to be more involved uh, in our children's lives. You know, my, my father-in-law, he wasn't at the birth of, of my wife because, you know, he was he was waiting in the delivery room and and then, you know, the wife, the, the nurses just shooed him out and said, like, oh, look, no, you, there's nothing you can do here. Why don't you, you know, you go out? You know, he didn't know what to do. He found himself in the streets of Melbourne. He ended up going to cricket, you know? <laughs> so I think, there are loads and loads of challenges out there for, for modern dads, but we can't lose sight of the fact that we're actually really fortunate, our generation of, of dads, and we do have an opportunity that perhaps previous generations of fathers simply did not have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, thank you so much for your contributions, um, for everyone for joining us today. Um, what can we change? I think uh, as I was reading through this slide while you were talking there, Luke, um, reduce stigma around men for caring for children, hopefully today, and you know, talking about Bluey and the not changing norms, we've sort of started to do that, at least crack the door open on it, breaking down ideals and beliefs, we've talked about that, build awareness and confidence. I think having this time dedicated really helps with confidence, knowing what others are doing, thinking, suffering from, or what's working well, 
helps then change cultures, influences policies. Um, dads, to talk more about the experience. I mean, you guys have shared your stories. The people who have come online have also shared theirs. So um, I think it's I think this stuff is fantastic. Um, we're desperately out of time, as I as I thought we might be. So. Um, I guess if you if you found this useful, we didn't get to all the questions. We had a question about how to find a, a partner whilst you're a single dad. Um, so there's so much more um, that we can discuss. So if we didn't get to your question or you've got any comments, please contact us, info at parentsatwork.com.au. Please feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn, follow The Fatherhood on LinkedIn, um, Parents at Work on LinkedIn, or myself, Samuel Eddy, Paul, Michelle, um, and Luke Benedictus. Please feel free to reach out and connect with us on LinkedIn. If you've got any comments or feedback for us, we'd love to hear as well. I've just put some numbers there. If anything we've raised you know, prompts you to get more support, there's a number of support options there. Men's Line Australia, Caratine, um, thefatheringproject.org, uh, Beyond Blue um, for dad advice, the fatherhood, um, as Luke talked about, and of course our email address as well. Um, Paul and uh, Paul and Luke, thank you so much for being here, being available. Thanks to everyone joining online. Any final comments from both of you before I, I let everyone go? Luke, I'll let you go first, mate. <laughs> well, oh, look, I mean, I, I, look, thank, I just want to say thanks for the opportunity to be involved today. And look, um, we've got a whole website dedicated to this sort of material from, you know, for, for, for dating as from dating tips um, to single dads to all sorts of questions, all sorts of uh, dad life subjects. So if you, if you do check out the website, www.the-father-hood.com, um, you can contact us there and send us your questions. Fantastic. And Paul? Uh, well, I'd just like to put it out to the dads out there that, uh, you know, just, just let go of any of the uh, the guilt or, uh, or or any of the um, uh, uh, any of the ill feelings that you have as you uh, as you're parenting. It's a learned skill. I think I think we sort of lose sight of that. That uh, the, being a dad is a learned skill, and we're learning as we go, and we're learning on the job, and uh, and we're all doing the best we can with the resources and the knowledge that we have, and also that our mental maps around being a dad are. Um, perhaps being upgraded as society also upgrades its expectations of what it is to be a man and also to be a father. So uh, I think that it's um, it's a great time to be a dad. I think we've got lots of great things at our disposal to to be able to be patched in fathers and, uh, and productive team members or leaders in an organisation. But at the same time, we're also navigating some new territory as well uh, with all sorts of interesting technologies and all sorts of interesting conversations with kids around what it's like to be a citizen of the world and so forth. So I can I can definitely say that I've I've got that got that experience over the last twenty years. I'm only forty five, uh, and uh, and I feel like uh, it's a world of experience in that twenty years. But uh, but it changes and it's constantly changing. So just just cut yourself some slack. Uh, Recognise you're doing the best that you can. Keep keep reading keep learning uh, and, and keep seeking to patch in and uh, and most of our kids get through it pretty unscathed. It's a, it's, it's a good job to have being a dad and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, great, great place to finish and we just had a comment from Kate saying, look, this is so good for women as well. So thanks so much for listening, Kate. And there was plenty of women online too. So I think absolutely this is a shared conversation across for everyone, for all parents. We had a group listening as well. Thanks for Jeff and team listening and having a good time listening to us. So appreciate you all coming on board. Final thing, get a copy of the Fatherhood book if you don't have it, have it already. Uh, we did send a few copies to some lucky people who signed up first. And keep a lookout for the, uh, the new podcast that is coming. 
coming, the Fatherhood Podcast, and that will be on parentsandcarersatwork.com and follow us on LinkedIn and, and you'll be sure to be notified of that. Thanks again for you all being here, for contributing, and we hope to see you online again very soon.